Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. You are listening to Believe in Vikings with B-Mac and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker. And I have with us, per usual, Ron Saw, Sally from Minneapolis. Uh, that's who we got going tonight. In the past couple of weeks, we've had Jordan Reed and Anthony Harris um, but we're going to take a little break from that, so to speak, and just have a regular old foursome with myself, Sally, Ron, and Bryant McKinney. Um, we're going to do some Vikings analysis stuff, all the topics of the week. So, uh, schedule came out since we last chatted. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the Mike Hughes trade, get into some WR3 theories, all that good stuff. That's what we have on the docket. But per usual, first, it's Bet Online. Uh, BetOnline.ag is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Uh, for example, the NBA playoffs uh, kicked off last night, at least the playoff uh, play-in part of it, excuse me. And from top to bottom, the top four NBA champion favorites are the Brooklyn Nets, followed by the Los Angeles Lakers, followed by the Los Angeles Clippers, and then the Utah Jazz at the number four hole. Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. And it's uh, free to sign up. Head to betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So it's just the four of us tonight. We took a week off from uh, other ex-player guests, aside from Bryant, and other fan guests. It's just uh, the four of us. So we're going to do some analysis stuff. And then to all four of you, if there was ever a show that you guys want to go off on a tangent or if you want to ask your own questions of whoever, so be it, I always have sort of a... Uh, outline of what we're going to talk about so we don't have dead air, uh, but by no way, shape, or form to me to stay on that. So I just want to give the disclaimer to the group. This could this could get fun and random. We shall see. Uh, the, the thing that happened, uh, the most paramount bit of news that happened since we chatted with uh, Jordan Reed was the schedule was released. Um, so the Vikings will play 17 games along with everybody else. So my Bryant, my first question is to you. Did you care when the schedule was released? Did you get into it like fans do? Or is it just kind of like, yeah, who we play, who we play? No, I got into it um, because I always want to see who, what premier pass rusher I had to face each week. And, you know, you kind of you want to kind of see who you go against, you know, you want to yeah. see if you're home or away. Like, so the players get into it. They definitely get into it as well um, because you just kind of want to know, you know, your schedule and have yeah. an idea. And in your mind, you do low-key – 
try to predict your your record. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yes. So you're with us. That's what we do too. And I think I think uh, you've, players you've, do it too. You've said players in episodes past that you kind of look at like when you play the Cowboys or when you might go to New York or the big spots like that. Is that correct? You like going to those those places because normally it's going to be a prime time game. Yeah. Um. So you like going, you like going to those, you know, those cities. But uh, yeah, you do look forward to it because you want to just see who you're matching up against. And I'm sure a lot of players want to know who they're going to match up against, you know, each week. So you get a good view. Okay. So I, at this point, with the schedule, sorry to interrupt. Um, I know, like what the team looks like as of now, like it's not going to be the case come the t- week that you play them. So how much of that, like as you're a player looking at who you're going to play and whatnot, do you look at much of what they did last year in anticipation for the next year? Or are you kind of look at blank slate? I look at who's there and who I may have to line up against. So if they got okay. somebody new, then I'm, I have an idea of who it is, or if they have somebody who's been there, I, it gives me an idea of the type of player that I have to face. Um, when it's a rookie, it's just like, I don't know, you know, but, um, it, it gives me that, um, that knowledge. So and then on I the other part of it, when it comes to bye weeks, like, I know, like, as like, it sounds like players would rather have the later bye weeks, especially if you're going to be a good team and having a long playoff, hopefully a long playoff, uh, stay like you want that later bye week. But do, at this point, do you even care about when the bye week is, or is that something that you're always, I never for? wanted it too early. I never wanted week five bye week. Like, you know what I mean? I never wanted it to be too early. Cause I feel like you're still trying to get into the groove, you know, with your, you know, your player, especially me offensive line. So I didn't mind like a week seven, eight, nine, like around that time, but like not, not week five. It's like you only play four <laughs> games and I was like, a bye week. so like, you know, give us a little more time to jail and then you know i'm okay with taking about we get a certain point like we're at seven eight okay. i always get the schedule and then um so i go to all the vikings games i'm one of these weird people that drives four hours to and from because i live in south dakota and i go to every game and i always am excited to see uh because i can start plotting out my babysitter schedule uh you know who i can diplomatically get to watch my children usually <laughs> cousins our friends of the family and then um the thing that peeves me is that we have a Halloween night game. And if you would ask me 10 years ago, I wouldn't have given a damn um, because I just would have skipped Halloween altogether. And I never really get into Halloween as is because I'm not that fun. Uh, but with my children, they are 10 and four. And so these formative years, I can't, I cannot choose football over trick or treating. So I'm trying to see if the Vikings will institute some sort of trick or treating event so that I could bring them all with me, buy some extra tickets. Uh, but we, we shall see if that can actually happen in a coronavirus world. Sally, what are your thoughts on the schedule that dropped? Well, first of all, I mean, you should be happy that it's not a Thanksgiving night game or mm-hmm. a Christmas game. Like, I know Halloween is more of a kid's holiday, so yeah. I get what you're saying. But I feel like we've been playing on these holidays like year <laughs> after year lately, and it just brings down the morale for family time. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the schedule. Uh, it's like my favorite day of the year when it comes out. Um, I don't agree with making it a whole event with leaks and all that, <laughs> but I like it because I can finally plan my life and um, what. <laughs> Tell us, tell us about your routine. Um, so I don't know that everybody that listens, uh, knows your, your Twitter feed or whatever, but do you go to most of the games or tell us about it? Um, I go to pretty much every home game unless there is, unless it's like week 17 in the past where they're already eliminated from the playoffs and I'm not going to spend $200 to see a meaningless fairs game. Um, but yeah, pretty much I go to every home game and then I go, uh, to at least two road games usually Lambeau and something else, but I don't know if I'll go to Lambeau this year. So 
for now, I'm just going to um, Cincinnati and Carolina. And then do you pick those based on like family ties or friends or do you just go, hmm, Baltimore looks cool. Let's go there. <laughs> well, it's a it's a gold mine to go to every single um, NFL stadium. So um, like this year with the Bengals, that's just a perfect year to pick. Check that off with them not being very good. So it's not, you know, in high demand. So I knew I was going to go there as long as it wasn't super late in the season because you know, I'm not going to sit in the rain or some freezing rain there. Um, but I've already, this, this schedule really wasn't that intriguing. Like I'd already been to a lot of them. So, um, okay. I've already been to Carolina too. It just, I, I do have friends there. So that makes sense. But. When did you been to Baltimore? Cause I'm gonna go to that game. Uh, yeah, I've been to Baltimore. <laughs> I don't like okay. it. <laughs> She's not a fan. Um, Tell us why. I mean, I don't have like a big reason why I, the game I went to, there was a, the snow game with Cordero Patterson, um, the four, uh, four lead changes in the fourth quarter game in the snow. <laughs> um, so that was a really cool game to be at, but they were like, it was sleeting, snowing, raining, and they were throwing those ice balls at us. Like they remember they were throwing up Adrian Peterson on the sideline. And so it was just a mess. I don't know. And it just, it's an ugly stadium. There's nothing around there to walk to. <laughs> I've checked it off. I'm good. I'm good. And plus Lamar, you know, I don't need to see him do all that. I, uh, I've never been to Baltimore, but uh, because of my second favorite television show of all time, The Wire, since it was set there, um, <laughs> I guess I always have a cozy part of my heart for Baltimore. And I will ultimately, ultimately go there. And then one of my, I'm 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 also a weird political uh, person. Uh, one of my favorite congressmen, Elijah Cummings, represented uh, that area for a very long time. So I will eventually get to Baltimore. I'll try to avoid the snowballs and all that stuff. Uh, well, the only good thing is if you go, then they can't really tell who's who because you're all purple, but it's snowy and yeah. wet and ponchos, <laughs> so you can't really get that. Yeah, um, harassed, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, Ron. What's your take on the schedule? Any anything that jumps off the page? You know, I think, um, and I don't have it in front of me, but there's that tough stretch kind of right after the bye week where it's, you know, four or five games that whether they're road or whether they're tough opponents. Um, but, you know, I'm one where you every year you know who you're going to play anyways. So the schedule is just when they're playing them. So I'd almost rather have them all lumped together. Because, and Brian, maybe as a player, like you think differently, but as a fan, I'm looking at it as you knock out one of those and you get that momentum and you can kind of like as a fan, I'd rather see my team go in with some ahead of steam against these tougher opponents or tougher matchups rather than kind of having an up week, down week, up week, down week. Um, as we've seen, I'm, and yeah, I know not to use the phrase that the Vikings play down to their competition, <laughs> but there are times when, you know, like the, the Jacksonville game is a perfect example where it, the team that we're seeing isn't the team that we expect to see. And I feel like the ups and downs of the schedule may have a, a play in that. Whereas if you have four tough weeks in a row, you know, you got to be on your game from the get go. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, my opinions of the record or whatever doesn't necessarily change because again, we knew our opponents. Um, it'll just be, I mean, everything can change with an injury um, for one side or the other. So, uh, but yeah, it's always fun to see it come out and then to always think about, Oh, that would be a fun game to go to. It's kind of hard with two kids under two um, to plan around that, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I hear you, but yeah. 
on the on the Zimmer Vikings, the way that the schedule usually works out. So it's sometimes a talking point that the Vikings play down to their competition, but historically, since 2014, it's usually the opposite, that they take care of who they're supposed to take care of, and the game's pretty much done by the fourth quarter, and they just run the ball and play that vanilla offense. And then, <laughs> believe it or not, they do struggle uh, against winning teams, and I think that if you're going to have a knock on, on Zimmer, um, that would be it. So the um, thing I don't like about the schedule uh, is the fact that the last four weeks just – I don't like them uh, playing at Chicago and then the Rams who I think have to be decent. And then at green Bay, it's going to be cold. It's good night. And who knows will be the quarterback then. And then at home against Chicago. And we don't know if fields is the, be the best thing since sliced bread since then, or if he won't be playing at all or won't be that good. I just don't like it because Chicago twice, no matter how good or how bad we are, how good or how bad they are, the game's going to be rotten, especially at soldier. And it's going to be sloppy mm-hmm. and weird. So I just don't like those matchups down the stretch, but hopefully we've got like this sweet uh, 11 and two record or something, which won't happen. Uh, but that's my, my optimism is that we can have a little cushion going into that. So it doesn't, doesn't mean a whole lot, but we shall see. I'm just so sick of bears last game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it, weird. Has that been five years in a row. It's every, let's see. It's been every year at U.S. Bank for yes, sure. Yes, every home, every last home game is against the Bears, and I, God, I don't, Ron, I don't know if any of them have ever meant anything. They did it two, yes. two years ago when twenty eighteen one okay. or no the or the year before we beat the Saints in the playoffs where if we beat yeah so if we beat them then yeah, we're in the playoffs right. but uh <laughs> other than that yeah it's I mean I guess it's better than the Lions like I would hate to be playing the Lions on a meaningless week yeah. 17 game yeah. but it should mix it should it should <laughs> it should, it should be four. rotated yeah it should be the three of them right and, and then, it, then the it, Packers on the they always get the Lions so yeah. it's like their records always like you know inflated because you know it's oh last week of the season you had a play the lions that they don't care about and uh the lion ready to go home (laughs) (laughs) i mean i like the idea of the divisional game to end it but it's almost like they should do away with that just because so much usually like is changed by that like that they should save maybe the last two weeks for those conference games um those spare conference games that you're playing but yeah i don't know I, i don't even want to think about the process that it takes to align, you know, 32 game or 32 teams and 16 game or now 17 games a piece. So, yeah. Um, um, it just doesn't seem that complicated to even just have that game at soldier field once. Like they don't mix it up at all. Yeah. Right. And, and they do it for the other teams. It's not the exact same. Yeah. I wonder if weird. that's a soldier field thing, because I know like, uh, was it Hester had talked about like the, the bears don't own soldier field or the team doesn't own it. So maybe they have other things that are committed at, in January at that time. So just, well, just thought, anything. No Lions, Packers, bears. Yeah. Oh my, I don't care. Just yeah. <laughs> I would have to scour the rest of the teams if I cared that much. Um, I think there's something what Sally's saying. I don't think that there is a team that plays another team every year as their last Yeah, You game. play a divisional team, yeah. but you don't play the same one. Yeah. It's there's, yeah, there's no uh, diversity there. It's always the last home game at us bank stadium. Like clockwork is against the bears. So it's goofy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, I don't know if it was a big bit of news, but in the Vikings world, it was um, that we'll, we'll chat about is Mike Hughes. Uh, the, the era of Mike Hughes ended with a whimper. He was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs for a sixth round pick, and we also shipped off one of our seventh rounders. Um, so, Bryant, when when a player um, on your team is traded during the offseason, 
Uh, do you do you have a, a formal goodbye with a teammate, or do you just kind of text them, or how does that work? Uh, depends on how close you are with the teammate. Um, but yeah, you definitely do have uh, some type of. If you're close to them, you definitely have a formal goodbye. They'll give you a heads up before it's the news or something. Yeah, and you know, and, you, and with me, as you can tell, I stay in touch with a lot of guys who <laughs> may have been, may have left the last because we became friends now at this point. You know, what I mean, not just coworkers. So a lot of us still stay in touch. Speaking of friends, the co-workers, teammates, um, over the weekend, <laughs> Frank Gore celebrated his birthday. So I went and I was walking over to get a drink. And this guy came up to me. He was like, hey, he played football with my dad. I'm looking at him like, you look grown. Who is your dad? <laughs> He's like, uh, Antoine. I'm like, you're Antoine Jr.? <laughs> I went there. Oh, really? I saw you, I saw you post I that never, on Instagram. I've never seen him as an adult. So I didn't realize. <laughs> and I'm like. That is, you know, Frank Gore been playing for a long time. Because I'm like, well, why are you here? Frank went to school with me, but it's like, but Frank is still playing. So I guess you know Frank, too. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Probably knows his son, too, because isn't um, Frank Gore Jr. playing D1 somewhere? Right. Uh. So, yeah. It was a lot. Is, is Frank Gore, is, is he planning on playing this year? I mean, he's the age of wonder. So. This will be year 17 as a running back. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I remember too. Like when he came out, he like dealt with injury problems early on, and then yeah, he he's been two, durable uh, as hell ever ACLs, since. Why yeah. at University of Miami? Yeah, and then now he's like just quietly, you know, top five rushing all time, and just the right. just the man, just a monster. So I, I hope he's so see, quiet. Anyways, like he just quietly just keeps going. I I want to see him play at the same time as his son has a chance to play in the NFL. That, that would be crazy. something uh, unreal. So on the. Uh, yeah. On the, on the Hughes trade. So uh, I think I have a relatively documented track record that I, I, I believe in Rick Spielman. I think most of the stuff he does, but that one, um, that one is a strike against him. I don't, I don't know if uh, GM should be held accountable across the board for injuries, um, but that's what beset Mike Hughes. And, uh, but that, that is a scourge on the resume um, of Zimmer, or excuse me, of Spielman in the sense that he, Hughes was taken uh, probably with the, the forecast or foreshadowing that Xavier Rose and Trey Waynes wouldn't be a part of the organization for long. They were not. So Hughes was supposed to be the CB one to step up and uh, because of an ACL tear and then the neck injury before the 2019 playoff game, it never really worked out. So I, I'm, I have it on good authority that the Vikings were going to cut him, um, but they found the trade partner with the Chiefs at the last minute, so to speak. So the Chiefs get a 24-year-old cornerback with uh, relatively high upside when he's healthy, and they'll get a chance to do a reclamation project for him, um, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Sally, when you heard about the Hughes trade, did you, did you kind of smirk or what happened? I wasn't really surprised. I guess I was just impressed they got something for him because, like you, I had heard that that was the plan. Um, mm-hmm. So something is... Better than nothing. Um, I know Rick's got to be bummed. He's losing that seventh round pick, but <laughs> but lately he's just found those sixth make. rounders. So <laughs> yeah, well I know, but he's already <laughs> he hasn't had any sevens in a while, so he's probably stressed. But yeah, I think it's 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 good. You know, it obviously wasn't going to work out, and I, I think he should have a fresh start somewhere. Um, and I wish him the best. Ron, do you think there's any chance that he turns into something awesome in Kansas City, or not really? I, th- I mean, I think he has the talent as evident of, you know, being a first round pick and he showed flashes while he was here um, of that just quick twitch reaction ability. Um, you know, you hope for his sake that he can stay healthy and turn it around. Like it's one of those where, you know, you, 
get a sixth round pick and give up a seventh and to see someone potentially like you miss out on. But um, I mean, I understand the frustration on the Vikings side where, you know, you can't make the club in the tub type thing. It's um, that you, you need to be available. And if you're, especially if you're going to be a fourth or fifth corner, um, you know, based on, based on where you're at um, and maybe have to contribute on special teams. Like there's plenty of veterans out there that they, like one name, like when, clearing up that calf phase one name that i would love to see but i think he would actually kind of be more in that starter role like opposite peterson would be steven nelson from uh pittsburgh um i don't know if that's something that we're talking about but he's just one of those tough corners that um seemed right up zimmer's alley he's you know in his prime at like 28 or so um so that would i think would be a nice depth play um but um yeah you can't uh roll the dice on someone with that injury history um whereas a team with the new start, they can easily give that to them because it's a low risk, low reward or high reward for them. So, um, and the equity, there's no negative equity built up. So, um, wish him the best. And, you know, I, I, there'll be a move that the Vikings make. They're not going to like just get rid of someone and not use that cap space somewhere. So we'll see what happens. Um, like, like you said, it's, it's one of those dark spots on Spielman's record, but everyone has them. And for me, being able to cut ties early on, and not try to have that reclamation project for yourself. That says wonders because you're admitting, hey, we failed. Let's move on to the next and see what we can do. Yeah, Steven Nelson, that's an intriguing name because let's say, for instance, in some scenario, he would have uh, joined the team last year if he was free agent. He would have instantly been the CB1 while we yep. would wait to see what we had in Dantzler and Gladney and you know Hughes. But uh, in 2019, so not long ago, Nelson had a 65.2 pass rating against, which is remarkable. Uh, it took a tumble or a spike, depending on how you look at it, up to 90-something, which isn't horrid, um, but it's more mediocre, so he might have had a down year. But, you know, given Zimmer's background, it would be superb to see Nelson. And I bet you he, he, if indeed he was signed, he'd command a lot of defensive snaps uh, because yep. he's, he's he has that Steelers credo. And I think he would get some attention. Uh, Sally, yep. I believe there was a <clears throat> sport NFL analyst or writer. Oh, what was his name? Andrew Clay, Andrew something that did a he's a Colts guy. And that's what I remember. And he he put together a average age compilation of all NFL teams. And surprising to me because I hadn't done one of those yet. I should have the Vikings are the second youngest team in the league right now. And I think if you pulled the general Vikings body politic, there'd be cynical and just think, Oh no, we're right in the middle. We got old cousins, old hit man, old dealing, but that's really it for old heads that we have. So I want to know. Um, so you are self-admittedly not an almighty Zimmer Homer. So whether he's back or not next year is kind of up in the air, depending on how they do in 2021. How does the youth on the roster right now jive with potentially life without Zimmer next season? Um, I think, well, I mean, obviously it's way too soon to tell. I would assume if he does get the ax, they're probably going to go offense just because that's usually always how it goes as far as a head coach styling goes. But regardless, they're going to go younger no matter what. So a younger coach, I think, is going to connect um, with a younger team just just automatically, just because you communicate, you have the same communi- a similar communication style um, and, and things like that. So I don't think that that will necessarily be a negative um, if he doesn't stick around um, at all. Actually, it would be probably more appealing for the coach yeah. applying. I would. Uh, so I, I do enjoy Zimmer. And if he... If he, I'm on record of saying and <clears throat> writing, if he uh, does not take the team to playoffs and win a playoff game, then it's time to move on and um, get rid of some of the stale feel. If indeed this year is not uh, fruitful, um, but I will miss Andre Patterson. <clears throat> that's a dude that's sweet with an organization, and usually, as Jordan 
Reed said last week that when a coach is fired, that's at least 20 souls uh, that lives are altered. And nobody really cares about that because Patterson has been with the team for a while too, though. You think he he made it over? Yeah. And I think Dennison's also like, but there are a few holdovers like Stefanski's one that was, you know, with us for a long time. So I think there's some of those mainstays that, um, that wouldn't be in jeopardy. It would be more of the core guys. I would think. Okay. Uh, Brian Stefanski, sorry, but you brought him up. I mean, how do you guys feel about his return October 3rd? The revenge game. Just saying, watch out. (laughs) Does he still have Keenum there? Is Keenum going to be rolling out under center? (laughs) No, Baker is going to roll out. No, I know. I know. I'm getting revenge too. You have Dejo. Um, who else do they have? They have a lot of them. They did have Sheldon Richardson, but he's a free yeah. agent again because nobody wants three techniques defenders for some reason. Um, yeah. but now that Ron says that Keenum will be the starter of that game based on a Baker injury or something, so <laughs> we, can, we can book that. Uh, Bryant, have you ever been a part in uh, whether the Vikings or the Ravens on a really young team? Um, probably the Dolphins. At some point, we, we might have been a young team, um, in the early 2000s, yeah. I almost want to say when I first got there, it was a pretty young team. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that's a good like point. The, the Dolphins like, on your last Lance Johnstone was a veteran. Like, he was an older guy. And yeah. Dave Dixon, but they were, like, year, like, 10. And then and they were the older guys. Everybody else was, like, younger than them. Yeah. Probably so, even the and when Adrian's rookie year, when the infusion with him and then Sidney Rice. Um, that yeah, that was a real young team, too. And Bobby Wade and all those other guys, too. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, like, so 2007, that was another – kind of year with like young players you only had a couple of people like Darren Sharper Pat Williams and like Antoine who were like the older guys but it wasn't too many seems uh, to coincide with the up and down of stability at quarterbacks that we've had for the last 20 plus years so <laughs> when we bring in those like a, a really older quarterback right you bring in the the Warren Moon and Randall Cunningham's and you have a veteran team and then you bring in the younger guys, young team, and then you infuse it with Brett Favre back to an older team again. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, so. she got the Cunningham. Well, that's sweet. <laughs> uh, Sally, for the folks that are listening only, Sally's holding up a Randall Cunningham. What, what's the name of the figurine? Is there a name for it? It's just like a little action figure, but I made them into Christmas ornaments. Oh, and that, that one I forgot to put in the box, so it just gets hit. <laughs> it hangs out. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. Ron, on I think I've told you this before, Ron, about Lance Johnstone. That when we had that era, McKinney, that we've talked about quite frequently, when the defense mm-hmm. sucked and the yeah. and when McKinney's offense was rocking and rolling, but the defense, uh, I, I always looked for so many silver linings on the defense, and, and I remember, you know arguing with my my friends or Packer fan friends and I'd be like, well look at Lance Johnstone. He gets sacked. Right. And he was like he was like this gym that he was I a third down up. defensive end though. So like he was yeah. only there for pass rushing. Right. Yeah. Kind of like but- what Ngakwe is essentially <laughs> just go get the passer and that's about it. But yeah, to your point, like I remember when we got him from the Raiders, I'm like, sweet, we got someone who can get double digit sacks. And then it's yeah. like everything else is like, oh, just run right by him. You know, it's not like the Everson Griffin mold where, you know, the dude plays the run It's or even Daniil Hunter. It's now mm-hmm. like, again, it's in Gakwe. It's like you're either getting to the quarterback or someone's running right behind you. So um, that's what scares me the most about life after Zimmer is that I, and it's not like a guarantee that we'd go back to that. But I, I I've come so accustomed 
to having a at least decent team with a good defense that I would hate mm-hmm. to sacrifice that and go back to what McKinney had to deal with at times where you just mm-hmm. hope that you score and you know there's not going to be tackling. And, oh, I couldn't stand <laughs> that era. But hopefully there's a balance whenever uh, Zimmer steps away. Uh, Ron, on the youth on the roster, does it surprise you at all? And how do you think um, it affects 2021? It, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. It's um, especially going back to a couple of years ago when when Sandejo was still here and he was the oldest player on the team and I think the only guy above 30. So it kind of started to turn at that point. And it helps when, you know, like granted, I'm not saying every single one of Spielman's picks have been gold, but it helps when you're hitting it for those young players. Like, you know, you get a Dalvin Cook who, you know, is elite and he's in his mid-20s at backup Mm -hmm. Madison. You know, you're hitting at these key spots. So even when you think about it with Cousins being 32-33, that's on the younger spectrum of quarterbacks for the most part, like, or as far as ability to where they can play into. So now our offensive line, like, looks like a legit unit, like that, you know, Minnesota moving company style, like back with the Big Mac and Hutchinson era, where you know that they're going to be dominant. So now they at least have five guys that are, that are capable starters who have room to grow and they're all under 25, 26. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. A defensive line as well, but you still have the veterans with Michael Pierce and even Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, But even them, they're what, 27, 28. So, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, I I know Brian's talked about it before. It's like, who's going to be that leader that kind of comes in and steps up and and is vocal. I think Patrick Peterson and Dalvin Tomlinson are great, going to be great at that because they have been captains in the past, but uh, um, I mean, Peterson's probably like the impact that he's going to have in the locker room is going to be bigger than anything he does on the field. And I think he's going to be very productive on the field. And it's, uh, I like that you said that, Ron, because Bryant made a point of saying that during our one and five stretch, that that was one of the things that he saw that wasn't really clicking or was perhaps the cause of the damn one and five was there was no true leader. And I think we went from not having one or Dalvin kind of stepped up. Um, He's more of a quiet type leader, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But now we have a bunch, it seems like, between Peterson, certifiably uh, Patrick Peterson on defense and then... uh, Dalvin uh, Tomlinson seems like he might have that uh, some of that mojo in him. And then I think already Jefferson, now that he's not a rookie anymore, uh, I think that he is, he can certainly uh, carry uh, the bag now and say, hey, I, I proved myself last year. So these guys are going to listen when I talk. And so I, I, I think that we have a remedy to that problem because um, we were so used to it with Everson Griffin. And uh, last year it was just kind of like, hmm, they're all kind of really quiet nice guys. Right. And it's almost like, like you look at the elder statesman on the team, you know, whether it's cousins, Thielen, Harrison Smith, um, even Anthony Barr, those guys like lead by example, but they don't, they're not that grab you aside and yell at you type thing. But I think Kendricks is kind of coming into that. I think like, you know, and like to your point, Jefferson, you have those guys with that swagger and confidence that are coming in and like, look, we're gonna, like, we're gonna, talk like but in a positive way um mm-hmm. so and again infusing those young guys and peterson's gonna be the you know the the ultimate goal with that I, because he's a proven leader in, oh, yeah. in arizona so uh you know we'll, we'll see how it goes but uh i'm definitely looking forward to it and it's always good to be a young team with room to grow yeah oh you can already tell with peterson the way he's embraced uh the franchise that he'll be one of those uh sally one of the other topics since we last kind of did some analysis is the fact that uh, Kellen Mond will mature and develop under Kirk Cousins. And whether it was uh, Robert Griffin III saying that Cousins is paranoid and he doesn't like the situation um, or just the speculation that uh, things will, will get 
toasty for Cousins if he doesn't perform in 2021. How do you think that relationship will look? Will it be, will Kirk be the class act? Will it look frosty on the sidelines? Um, how do you foresee the Mond and Cousins thing going? Um, I think that it will be fine. I don't, I think that uh, Kirk knows what his job is. I would hope he doesn't feel really threatened by it, um, at least right now or this year. Uh, I think that Kirk will be fine. I mean, um, he's mature. He's been in the league for, I don't know what, almost like a decade, almost since he played with RG3. It's been a really long time. Um, So I would be sad if people were talking about my attitude from 10 years ago, you know um, what I mean? But uh, I think it will be fine. I do think though that Kirk is, he gives the, um, he projects that he is kind of rigid. Um, He's not a super outgoing social um, guy. So I can see how people are going to want to say that he's being, um, standoffish or rude or not, you know, um, embracing him. But I just don't think that's the body language we ever see from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think that he'll be he'll be fine. He's a great guy. He's going to be nice to him. He's going to teach him stuff. And um, hopefully he learns a lot. The cool thing about Kirk is he usually does have that just dad persona, like when he's on the sidelines or whatever. But when he does get fired up, it means something. Or when he does celebrate, it's especially fun to watch because he does just seem kind of like a a regular old dude otherwise. Well, he Uh, seems just very self-aware. Like, I think he knows his standing. I don't think he's offended by, you know, the team looking for a potential replacement down the road. I think he gets it. Like, and Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily due to him and his play. I think he understands the economics of football and hey, like, you know, which is why he's cashing in now. Um, I know like there was that report when he was signing that he d- broke down every single team and looked at the cap hit that quarterbacks were making. And that's where that number kind of settled on. So he's not dumb by any means, but I think his relationship with Mond, I think it's perfect for Mond. You know, as they say, the things that he needs to improve on are all the things that Kirk does well, like with yeah. his throw the ball with accuracy. Uh, and uh, so I think it's, and Kirk's not Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there who ha- would be very demonstrative. Like, you know, I'm not, it's my, not my job to help, but yeah. I don't think there's anything about Kirk that says that. So he seems like a, you know, class act guy and he's going to do his job and what's best for the team. Even on uh, the self-awareness that you speak of, Ron, there are times during this Vikings tenure with him where he, he struggled one or two games per season, almost like clockwork. And he's even come out and said it like in his post uh, game analysis, maybe not immediately after the game, uh, but in the, the week preceding, like, you know, he'll come out and kind of hint at like, well, if I don't get better, I'm going to get benched. Right. And, you know, quarterbacks that are franchise guys don't usually come out and have that type of humility or awareness. Uh, maybe Sometimes hubris. almost even too far off yeah, the scale. Yeah, like I remember yeah, not enough a, hubris there. There was a, there was a play where like, I think it was that overtime game in green Bay that we ended in a tie where he threw the ball to Treadwell and Treadwell dropped it or whatever for an interception. And he, he even said, I probably threw the ball too hard. Like <laughs> bullshit. He's a wide receiver. Doesn't like, who cares? Like, so to, sometimes in my mind to a fault, but again, yeah. you look at Rogers and, you know, if a mistake happens, it's always someone else's fault. Like (laughs) he didn't run the right route or he wasn't in the right place where Kirk seemingly steps up for his guys. Like, and we'll, you know, we'll, you know, gather that respect that way. So um, I think, yeah, the, a lot of the national takes on Kirk and when he does get demonstrative on the sidelines, like, I mean, come on now, you're blowing things out of proportion. (laughs) Hey, Bryant uh, in 2006, I believe uh, Traveris Jackson um, was drafted and uh, 
tapped to start at some point, and we had Brad Johnson, uh, and he was started most of that season under Childress's our buddy, uh, his first uh, go of it. Um, what uh, do you remember what that dynamic was like when you know that you had a pretty it looked like a pretty talented quarterback in Jackson and then an old war horse in Johnson. Was it, is it, was it always usually, uh, you know, fun and games or was there hostility or how did it go? Do you remember? There was never hostility in there. Um, I just felt like to, we were waiting, you know, for a while for Tavares to develop, but still learn from Brad because Brad had like all the knowledge and everything, the experience. And there was like, you just kind of wanted him to look to Brad to kind of like gain some of that knowledge. And then, um, but Tavares was more athletic. You could tell Brad was towards the end of his career. Yeah. Um, he eventually took over, but I mean, we rallied behind Tavares and you know went to encourage him, you know, to do to do the best he could, you know, when he had the opportunity. Do you know or keep in contact with Brad Johnson? At all sometimes I see him in these random internet clips where he's throwing a football. I don't think no, I haven't really. I haven't seen Brad. Yeah. In a while. Do you know who I've seen probably? Most recent out of those quarterbacks are like Gus Farrat. Yeah, that's cool. I've seen him. And I think actually in Minnesota, we we, we all came up for a game and he was one of the um, quarterbacks. But you haven't seen – and Sage. Right. I keep in touch with Sage, too. We follow on Instagram. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right, next topic, Ron. So the Vikings uh, should have about $15 bucks on June 1st or June 2nd, whenever the official date is. What is your shopping list if it was general manager Saw? So – you know, Steven Nelson is one that with the Hughes departure uh, that I mentioned earlier, that that would be one that I think would come in and be impactful right away. Um, and then just an edge rusher, um, a veteran. Um, I know Kerrigan's now off the market, but uh, um, not necessarily someone to be that third down rusher, because I think between Wanham and some of the other young guys, we have the speed and versatility to do that. But someone that you can trust to be like a run stopper um, on the early downs and then potentially add some versatility on the inside on passing down. So I don't know exactly what that means. I have heard too that, um, and Brian, maybe you can speak to it if you know more about the situation, but it does sound like there have been more at least talks um, that, like with Griffin um, and Everson potentially a return. Um, again, I don't know if there's any merit to those claims, but you know, that would be someone again, just talking about that locker room presence, that would be a huge addition. And you, you know, you get a guy who was a third round pick and you work with, you know, the, the, the Pittsburgh kid and kind of see what, um, or, you know, try to tap into that potential uh, to work alongside Patterson, um, someone like that. I'm not, I don't know what's available as far as, you know, younger pass rushers, but I think we're, we have enough bodies. We need someone to help uh, mold some of these younger guys. You heard anything from uh, Griffin at all in the past four months? B Mac. I haven't. I mean, I could try to reach back out to him again or get somebody else who I feel like interacts with him more to reach out then. I'm just curious because after his uh, strange, strange uh, tweets, he's gone radio silent on there probably for the better. And uh, his name really hasn't popped up um, nationally for, you know, free agency. Evident he hasn't signed anywhere. So I was just curious if you, if you maybe talk to him, but it sounds like you do not uh, routinely. The, uh, the name that I would like on my shopping list would be uh, Melvin Ingram for from the Chargers. He had a down year last year. He only played in seven games, but <clears throat> that was like the first time in a long while that he has not been productive. I can't remember. I think he, I think he was hurt with something that might have been spanning most of the season. Um, the thing but that I, concerns me with him is he's been a stand-up 
um, outside linebacker in his career. So yeah. yes, I know he can get after the passer, um, but I just don't know where he's at in his career as far as, you know, being a full-time four, three end. Um, yeah. And he is, you know, a little bit on the smaller side, like at what, like six, two, I'm saying small and he's a giant uh, to <laughs> me, but the, like the six, two, two fifty, And I think we like the mold of the you know, the hunters and the the big long rangey guys on oh, one name. I will want to add to Larry Fitzgerald. Like the fact, I don't <laughs> think the Cardinals are bringing him back, bring him home. Like he can wear number one now, like, you know, let him, let him come back home. <laughs> yeah. You're getting that out there. All right. Well, maybe that'll actually happen. Uh, there's an, <laughs> another name. I, th- I believe that <clears throat> has been whispered, uh, not a huge name, Ronald Blair from the 49ers. I had a tip that before the draft, if they didn't get an edge rusher to start, they might look at him. And then Justin Houston's also out there, and he's a, a savvy veteran, so to speak. Sally, what do you want the Vikings to do with their $15 million? There's not a lot out there. I was looking over the list today, and unless um, you know, there's some surprise cuts, which I'm sure there will at least be one or two, there's not a lot. Um, but, yeah, I was going to say Larry Fitzgerald – um, he seems like the best wide receiver, th- wide receiver three option that there is. Um, I, I was thinking maybe golden Tate, but I forgot how weird his year was last year. Um, with, I was just reading everybody had a fight on the field. <laughs> he was suspended for a few games for what he said were, um, fertility drugs he was taking. Um, and then he like, liked a bunch of tweets for the giants to cut him and stuff. So he, he had a like really, not good year. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I still, but he's, you know, he's still, he's probably the best wide, wide receiver three option out there other than Larry Fitzgerald. So yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Okay. Well, that's uh that's a segue that will take us to our second to last topic of the night. <clears throat> and, oh, first of all, I want to point out that this is probably the first time in recent memory, at least five or six years that we have a conversation about this, we're like, what can we get with our fat last couple of free agent dollars? And we don't talk about offensive line. Every single year, we're talking about some Swiss Army knife garbage offensive lineman that might be able to start. <clears throat> and we're not doing that right now. So it's a nice change of pace that we might have a solution, a homegrown one that could actually work. So uh, hopefully it materializes. Uh, but on Sally's point about uh, wide receiver three and the idea of Larry Fitzgerald, um, surprise, surprise. Right now, the roster, the roster is deficient of a bona fide wide receiver three, unless you consider the incumbents, Chad Beebe or BC Johnson, to blossom in this system. Uh, Irv Smith could just take all of the wide receiver three targets if he um, is going to be that Travis Kelsey type of target magnet. I don't think he'll be as good as Kelsey, uh, but he could just step up and take that role in terms of attention within the offense. Uh, the other option is Amir... Smith Marset, he's a fifth rounder, gives us all warm fuzzies about maybe he's digs because he came out of the fifth round. Uh, but those, those, those don't usually happen. Uh, we just got lucky with digs. Uh, but if he had a good camp, that could get the conversation going. Otherwise, ad nauseum, the DD Westbrook uh, rumors are out there because his entire professional career was spent with our current wide receiver coach and Keenan McCardell. And he's out there waiting to be snatched by somebody. Why not the Vikings? So those are what I consider our viable WR3 options. Ron, is there anything that I missed? Um, or would you would you endorse Fitzgerald? over Westbrook or what are we talking here? So I would, and this goes beyond just the home homegrown angle. And, you know, it's one of the best receivers of all time being able to, to, to re- retire with his hometown team. Um, it's more so what he brings is kind of what we need. We need that, um, 
like not saying that Thielen or Jefferson aren't those go-to, like, you know, third and four, you need a first down, throw it to him, but you lose Rudolph and Fitzgerald like is one of the best in the business in the red zone. Um, so why not go out and get that? You don't, he doesn't need to play a ton of snaps. You can kind of keep it to the, the minimum. Um, and then also just his blocking ability, like as much as we're going to be running the ball, Fitzgerald's one of the best in the game since Heinz Ward, especially at, you know, coming down and chipping that edge and, you know, Dalvin, like why not get a guy who excels in that? Uh, but the name that does intrigue me that's already on roster is the rookie Amir Smith, mm-hmm. uh, Marset, like just because he has what the other guys on our team don't have. And that's that blazing speed. Um, obviously Thielen and Jefferson are going to get their targets, going to do their work. Why not have a guy that could be that? I, I always refer to it as the Devery Henderson type where mm-hmm. he's a guy in fantasy football. He might go off for three catches for 120 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns, um, which is that's why I'm always an advocate for PPR leagues, because, you know, you get a Fitzgerald that gets 11 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown and Devery Henderson's out producing him. So <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you, you get one guy, you can just you know, put on the burners and take the top off the defense, um, which maybe we can get into later too with the Tyree kill Randy Moss situation that went down <laughs> on Twitter today. But um, wow. like, so, I mean, I like where we're standing now, um, but yeah, I would add a veteran, whether it is Fitz or, uh, you know, DD Westbrook as well would be a good fit. Can hey. I ask DD was, wasn't he, did he have, is he called like a knee injury or what's the situation? Yeah. And when was that? Was that the end of the year? Um, look up the week. I don't, I just don't remember if he played at all last year or did he play? He, he kind of fell into bad favor, like with the, the team, like, I know, or at least early on. Um, I, I don't even recall if he did get hurt last year. I think he didn't. I think he had a knee. Yeah, yeah, did he? I think. Yeah, I think that's. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, in October, October 25. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So it was earlier. I was thinking it was like December ish. So, I mean, that's two months better than I thought. He also got trapped in that Jacksonville receiver hell where well, right. Yeah. You, you can't live up to your potential in that situation <laughs> anyway. So outside of Chark, they had about and he's four. young, right? This would be his fifth season. Something yeah, like that. 2017 yeah. was his rookie year. And that was the first year I believe that Ricardo was there. So he's reared him um, from the cradle. And so that's why, that's why it's rumored to be a fit because allegedly, you know, Ricardo wants him. Um, hey, Bryant, when, when it's this time of year after the draft, and there are some relatively big name free agents out there. What are these guys waiting for? Are they just hanging out, waiting for a good team to give them a call? Um, because it's you know it feels like relatively late in the game for Justin Houston or folks to be hanging out there. Are they just they content being patient, or how does that usually work? They just continue to work out and just wait for the phone to ring and see um, what the offer is and if they're willing to accept it. Okay, like Richard Sherman right now. He's a he's a veteran, obviously, and he still p- performs at a high level. So, is it is he just waiting for the 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 best winning team to give him a call? Right, just waiting for a phone call and just staying in shape. So, you have to make sure you just stay ready for you know because you never know when somebody will call you. They might call you two days before camp starts, and you just got to be ready. So, all those guys are just staying in shape. You know, the best shape they can is to be prepared for they get a phone call. Do you think that Richard is like declining offers right now? Because I thought he would be signed. Yeah. Do you think he's um, passing stuff up? I mean, obviously it's hypothetical, but. Do I think he's passing things up? No. Like I mean, it, sometimes if you have more than one offer, you can just be weighing options too and try to figure out what's the best one. But I don't think he's just out here just passing things up too. Because, I mean, I don't know how many people who want to just keep passing things up in hopes that somebody else or whoever you like coming to get you. So 
Is something like that yeah. where, like, so someone like Sherman, obviously, he will be on a roster yeah, at some point. Um, but you know, it, just because he doesn't make it on a roster by the time OTAs or yeah. minicamps start, that's okay. Like, right. and a well, lot of veterans are okay with that. If you ever watched, remember Michael Strahan was always never have his contract done for many uh, for training camp, and then like you know be able to skip it, save your body some time too. So that's what so, I was going to ask: is like, do some of these guys kind of milk that to like where there's even a lot of rumors do, yeah, that I mean, he may. You've done enough training camps. You know right. what it is. You know what you need to do to keep yourself and be where you right. need to be. It's so, like, save yourself a bit. Yeah. I was going to bring up Rodgers for our last topic, but I think Ron stole it with the Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill <laughs> no. thing. Oh. Uh, well, okay, we have plenty I, of time I to talk say, I am so mad that that is even getting discussed all day long. Like, I you know guys got to stop feeding into these kids. With well, emojis what, in don't, their name. We won't acknowledge his name at all. fighting with, like, this has been twice this week, you guys, that you have <laughs> let some troll, like, ignite the whole community. The problem what is, the like, he's, he's, he, he he's does some work for PFF, so they instantly lose some, rep, some like reputation 12. on that. But, right, but so that's what I was going to laugh. Like, but again, I'm not going to say his, his name because I don't, he doesn't deserve any credit because it's the dumbest take ever. But I want to hear Brian's take. I, you probably haven't been like on Twitter to see what's going on, but the debate was some kids said that Tyree kills the best deep threat of all time. And then, you know, like everyone's like, well, he acts like Randy Moss doesn't exist or even to my, for my mind, I'm not a fan of this guy, but I think, I don't think Tyree kills even in the same realm as Deshaun Jackson at this point, as far as just mm-hmm. a pure deep threat. So again, it's funny because like even the Vikings then clap back and tweeted out, here's a 10 minute video of just Randy Moss's 40 yard touchdowns. Like just in case you forgot, like I don't even think Tyree Hill can put together a 10 minute highlight of his entire career not including touchdowns so but like, this it, guy is sitting here right now like this is the best day of his life we have to get to that that. even the Vikings if even the Vikings acknowledged it it's definitely like the best day of yeah. his life yes and he's gonna do it again and again <laughs> and again and again because he wants this result forever you gotta I stop know. feeding this crap that, that's why I, I'll never give him the, the name or the credit or whatever but obviously it's it's just hilarious because it's again and you know we talked about it when we had Randy on a, like a month ago or whatever it's the way he changed the game, like even when he came back to the Vikings in that second stint, and I'll never forget that game when Brandon Merriweather was sitting 25 yards away from the line of scrimmage directly over him at whatever age Randy Moss was at the time, not letting him beat him because he still had that ability. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, and then again, like it's, it's hilarious because mm-hmm. they're, but the, what it brings out is I'm not, not, I'm not giving the guy credit, but it brings <laughs> out these people that legitimately think it's a debate. Like, do you like? Did you not watch football before 2015? Like, and if he's 12, he definitely doesn't. Okay. Well, I'm right. exaggerating. I'm exaggerating, right. but you know, <laughs> let me, let me, clicks, man. Like, we know the game. Why are we playing it? So, right. the gentleman that had this soundbite. First of all, he's not a kid. He's he's an I adult. Mean, compared he's a, to us, uh, he's a col- <laughs> he's a draft college analyst. Uh, you know, for college for analyst for college football, and he works for Pro Football Focus, who usually has a g- genuinely good reputation. And so he said that it's obviously dumb. Um, but the problem is, FanDuel picks it up and they say, you yeah. know, who's the better one of this? And then, in theory, if we just stay silent, 
what kind of a fan base are we? I think that's the mentality. We have to defend our guy at all costs. Right. And that's what happened. And then it also happens in our own community. Eric Eager wrote last year that the Vikings should trade Kirk Cousins for Jameis Winston just on a complete whim. He wrote a full article on that under the PFF banner. And then every day, Score North says something to this effect that uh, it's juicy and it grabs headlines and they run with it. So it's more of indictment of the way that they do it rather than just, you know, this 12 year old. Uh, I think it's it's just to drum up the, 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 the talking point machine. Right. And I just find it hilarious. It's the like instantly you hear it and you laugh. It, that's like saying that, uh, you know, that Natron means is a better physical running back than Adrian Peterson. Like, yeah. like what? Like, and that's just a name I just randomly thrown out because I remember it, but <laughs> it's, I, I, I'll never understand it. And it's the funniest thing. Um, but you know, you look at what's trending and then you see Deshaun Jackson's name. It's like, Oh, where, what's he up to? And then it's like, yeah. because people are throwing his name into the ring, which again, makes sense because it's, it is what it is. But uh Yeah. Yeah, they are. North is basically a tabloid. So let's not cite them as a set. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> as a credible source. Yeah, they uh, and I agree with you uh, in terms of the, the footage or the coverage Ron. like today on Twitter. I saw every deep ball from every wide receiver that's been good in the last 10 years. Like just re- yeah, all of, all of a sudden Deshaun J- Jackson highlights are flashing before my eyes. So yeah. it really drummed up the talking point. And I, I, I still don't know the context in which uh you know, unnamed guy said that about Hill or if it was, you know, the, the speed that he loves. But um, I mean, Tyreek Hill would have to keep this up and accelerate uh, for quite some time. And he's doing it in a pass happy era. And- That's the other thing. I, you see all like Mel Kuyper and like, or Matthew Barry, like tweeting out, like if Randy Moss played with, with this Chiefs team, he'd have 25 touchdowns yeah. a, a year minimum. Mm-hmm. Like it would just be absurd what he would do with Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, folks. Um, we uh, Bryant told us this before we uh, hopped on air, so I want to tease it for next week, and then I think we'll all respectively tease it on Twitter. Thanks to his uh, broad connections, we will have Christian Derisaw on the show next week, the left tackle. LT1 for the Minnesota Vikings for Virginia Tech. We found him with the 23rd pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, and that will be, to date, our first current Viking guest. Uh, we had Anthony Harris, which was wonderful, and he, uh, he felt he he still felt like he was a part of the team, um, as evident as how cool he was. And then, of course, we've had uh, about God, probably about fifteen to twenty uh, supplemental guests: Randy Moss, Adrian Peterson, Jared Allen, and then other guys like Warren Sapp and Devin Hester. But now we're going to expand our horizons with this group next week and Christian Derisaw. So, uh, do you want to tell us real quick, Bryant, how that relationship uh, how, or how you were able to land him for the show next week? Um, actually, um, Tom West uh, does like the PR for the Vikings. So, you know, of course, when I was there, Tom was there, Tom was still there. I reached out to Tom over the weekend. Tom said, okay, I'll get on it. I reminded Tom again last night because I didn't hear anything. And then Tom texted me with another guy in a group chat today and said, okay, we have him all scheduled for podcast next week um next wednesday he'll be prepared and he'll be our guest that's excellent it's also really cool because mr west knows about us now so if we do a good job with derisaw <laughs> right we can become the <laughs> get some other people I can keep it up tight hey tom yeah yeah that's <laughs> what i mean like if derisaw is a hit you know and we're fair with him and whatnot then maybe right. mr west can say well hey why don't we just send justin jefferson over there too or something so i gotta exactly. be on my best behavior this is a lot of pressure now <laughs> now Brian, did you did you open yourself up as far as a little one-on-one coaching for uh 
for Darius. Oh, I definitely uh, would. If you needed some coaching or advice on anything, I definitely would give it to him. All right. Bring yeah. you up here. Invite him to consultant. Miami. Bring him to a WAP party. <laughs> there we go. I saw you were hosting that. You thought it got Bobby. She couldn't. Re- and the, the thing, she sent that to me about a month ago, and I saw it was on Wednesday nights. Then I was like, well, what right. the hell? I was like, and I didn't even go because, you know, I had to go to um, Columbia the next day. So it was like, I took it you didn't even go? I didn't because I, re- I couldn't find my passport and I was like trying to finish back in. I didn't even make it. I was going to. You gonna- know how mad I would be if I showed up to the wet. When you were the host? Well, now you got to explain. You got to explain it to all of the listeners, Sally. Or do you want me to do it? Um, I don't know. Is Brian embarrassed? I don't want to embarrass. No, he's all good. He was on the love boat. I wish I had it pulled up so I could describe it. But it was. I was just scrolling through Instagram and I came across this picture that looked like it was from like ten or fifteen years ago. (laughs) Just the way it was styled, like it was like a flavor flav font. A picture of Brian that said like wet pussy party hosting <laughs> Brian McKinney. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm thinking this is gonna say like 2003 or something. And it was like the 2021. <laughs> I wish I had it pulled up, it but it was like, it was like pink and blue. And it's for those listeners that for those listeners that don't follow Big Mac, like he's a must follow on Instagram. Like his yeah. life is like it's it, you can just live vicariously through him, and you know, <laughs> just just all the parties, all the it, everything. It's always a it's always a blast. So well, I was a little, I was uh, my feelings are a little hurt because I was like, am I giving off dry vibes? I want to come <laughs> to the party. <laughs> My, my first thought was our our CTE conversation. The NFL is going to see the wet pussy party and be like, "Oh no, he's fine. He ain't getting no money this week." Yeah, I think what it means is we got to get Brian back up here to the Twin Cities over the summer, and we need to have like a big Believe in Vikings party or something. A Believe in Vikings wet pussy party. Yep. I don't think they can handle that here. We'll have to call them I don't know if my family can handle that. <laughs> as long as it's on Lake Minnetonka. Let's oh, do it. Wow. Right. That's, that's all it makes sense to have it. Oh, that would be huge. <laughs> we can do a live, a live podcast. I'd and then just, an after party. I just have to tell all my family, extended family, like it's it's just use the acronym. Like, yeah, it's the W E party. You've never heard of that? No, we, let, just, we can't call it that here. They won't let us book anything. We'll just well, we'll just have to rent the boat on not let not let Brian rent the boat. It has to be under one of our <laughs> no. <so. laughs> no. We gotta find a fall guy for that. Let's ask CC if he knows. <laughs> <laughs> all right folks we'll be back in seven days uh with christian derisaw and that's all we got so skull viking Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.